Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Travis Ziegler. He has two businesses. One is I Love and the other is Profitable Pineapple. Welcome, Travis. Um, could you tell us a bit about how you got the idea for I Love first? Well, Trevor, first of all, thanks for having me on and I'm excited to, to give value to your listeners today. And so um, I already forgot your first question. This is a good start to the interview, right? Tell me about I Love. <laughs> so I Love is a brand that my wife and I started in 2015. Uh, my wife and I are both practicing physicians. We were practicing physicians at the time and we're both optometrists. And so what for, for the listeners, an optometrist is mostly a primary care eye care doctor. So we do glasses, contact lenses, minor surgeries, um, and take care of diseases like dry eye, glaucoma, and macular degeneration. If your listeners are like, I don't know what any of those are, that's a good thing. You don't want to know what they are because if you know what they are, that means you probably have one or you know someone that has right, one. Okay. So we started out, um, we actually, um, before we, we formed that brand, we moved to South Carolina from Ohio, and that's moving from a cold weather state in the U.S. to a warm weather state. We quit our jobs, left them behind, started two practices down in South Carolina. Um, when you start a new practice, you get a little bored because you don't have the patient flow. So I went from seeing six patients an hour to seeing one an hour. And so I got bored. And so in 2015, when we started those two practices, I, we also started a sunglass company called I Love. And that was kind of in our free time. We did it before we practiced and after, and then kind of in between patients as well. And then in 2017, it morphed into not just selling plastic widgets from China. We wanted to serve and create more impact in the world. So we actually created a dry eye company around it. And so we sell products around a facial cleansing routine and focusing more on the eyelids. Cause if your eyelids are dysfunctional or they're not working properly, that's when dry eye forms. And so we come out with organic natural products around your eyelid and face use. So you're putting more natural organic products on not causing harm, harm to your eyes. Like most products will do. And in 2017, we created that, that brand it's called hydrate, which is just kind of a, an extension of, I love. And then in 2021, we actually sold everything I love and hydrate, but we still work for the, the brand and we'll be working for them for the next three years, at least because we're contracted with them until then. Um, and we're helping to grow them as well. So I love went from sunglass company out of boredom to dry eye company to sale. And now we're just expanding right now. So it's something that it's kind of the, it's been kind of our passion with I love is to just serve others in the dry eye space because there's a lot of misinformation about dry eye. Most people think that eye drops help it and eye drops actually just cover up the problem. And could so we wanted to get to the issue. I, I'm not sure what dry eye is. So could you explain? Yeah, that's good. That means you don't have it. So <laughs> excellent. <laughs> dry eye is, is grittiness. So you feel like you have something in your eyes, your eyes burn, your eyes water a lot. Those are all signs of dry eye. And what happens is we have glands in our eyelid. This is the most common form of dry eye. We have glands in our eyelids. They're called meibomian glands, fancy word for oil glands. And the, the responsibility of these glands is to push out or secrete oil onto your eye. That oil makes your eye comfortable. So every time you blink, that oil locks in your tears. And then as your eyes are open, the oil starts to break up. And as that oil breaks up, that's when your eye, you blink again. And so as long as the oil is healthy, the glands are healthy and you're blinking properly, digital devices being making you blink less, but as long as you're blinking right, your oils are healthy and the glands are healthy, your eyes are going to be comfortable. You're not going to have dry eye, mm -hmm. but if there's a dysfunction in any of those units, so the glands aren't working properly or the oil is not working. So you're, you have a bad diet. So the oils are harder and they're not as liquefied. 
you're going to start getting that burning, that irritation, itching, watering. And so the products that we do help keep the glands healthier, help keep mm-hmm. your eyelids healthier. And the healthier the eyelids, the more comfort you're going to have. And so that's kind of the, the basic premise behind dry eye without getting too nerdy and making this know, a dry eye podcast. I, I think I understand that. <laughs> so is it, I mean, were the, with these products, did you uh, get some products, you know, do kind of white label products from China or the products you developed yourself? Or tell us about the product development process. Yeah, so the very first product we ever came out with was actually a result of a patient in my practice. And so we were selling a product called Avanova. And Avanova is a great product. It still is the market leader in hypochlorous acid. Sounds crazy to put hypochlorous acid near your eye, but it actually works incredibly well. That's a natural, it's a natural substance made by our body and it helps fight things. And so fight bacteria, fight viruses, fight any kind of inflammation. And so Avanova took their price from $30 a month to $300 a month. And when that happened, my patients were coming to me like, I can't afford this anymore. And then one of my patients in my chair one day said, they moved this from $30 a month to $300 a month. You're an entrepreneur, figure out how to fix this. And I was like, okay. So I went on a mission to find hypochlorous acid and hypochlorous acid is not easy to manufacture because in the manufacturing process, what happens is it creates bleach and you don't really want to put bleach on your eyelids. And almost every hypochlorous acid product on the market has bleach in it. But with our mission, we wanted to eliminate bleach, which is almost very pure, very, very pure. Yep. So pure hypochlorous acid. So we found a manufacturer that would help us do that. Uh, We created the product with them. And so they have their own version of the product, which is a little harsher. It's a little stronger. It's meant for disinfection. So killing viruses, killing bacteria on surfaces where ours is made for your eyelids. And so we had to tone it down a little bit, make it more pH balanced. So it wouldn't cause irritation. And so we developed that with them back in 2017, released it in June, and we took a lot of the market share from Avanova. So the market leaders are Avanova and us. And so we kind of took a lot of their market share as a result of them increasing the price and they were prescription only. And we were over the counter. We were selling on Amazon. We were selling on our website. And so that was the, like, that was the, that's the brand was formed. Hydrate was formed from that. And that's we pretty much looked at everything that a woman does because most dry eye sufferers are postmenopausal females. So we're looking at 60 plus females, but other people can be affected too. And so then to kind of bring the brand around full circle, we looked at everything they were doing in their routine. So what else are you using for your dry eye? I'm using this, this, and this. Okay. We started coming out with all those products. What else are you using on your daily facial routine? This, this, and this. So we came out with a face wash, an eye cream. We have an eye drop coming out soon. We have a warm compress. This is all things that our our target patient is using, that 60 plus year old female. And that's what we're coming out with. And we've teamed up with our other brands to come out with safer makeups, not our brand, but we affiliate their brand. And so we don't just sell our own brand. We sell other brands that complement our brand and we can make more money that way too. So we wholesale as well. Okay. So do you, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a medical health focused uh, product do you have to go through a lot of compliance to get it to get it sold so we are a a cosmetic product we have to say that um we actually are doing some fda stuff right now to be able to kind of move towards that whole medical model but it costs a lot of money so that's Mm -hmm. kind of the process that we're in right now um since we were acquired so we're trying to get some fda approvals um we're also trying to get we're, we're trying to push for more 
so we can say more in our copy. And mm -hmm. so most of our copy doesn't talk about dry eye, talks about the cosmetic uses of it. Right. Okay. So, because I mean, my experience with selling on on Amazon anything which is like a you know a treatment of some description is that it's quite it can be quite difficult to get it listed, and there's lots of hoops to jump through. Did you find we, it? We actually learned the hard way. Sorry. <laughs> I said, we learned the hard way. We, yes, we were well, suspended I mean, for using hard, that terminology. They were only hard. <laughs> um, so is it hard to get the product? You know, can you need to get the category ungated and you need to get the, was that a difficult process? It was at the beginning. It, it wasn't at the time in 2017, it was more of a wild west, but what we learned in 2018, our product got suspended because we were using terms like dry eye, blepharitis, the disease terms, and we actually got in trouble by the FDA. And so we learned FDA structure function claim very early on. And so it actually made us a better business as a result because we learned how to use it. The problem with it is Amazon is very inconsistent. So they come after us if we put the word dry eye in our listing, but then if you put in dry eye in Amazon, you'll see you know 300 to 500 listings that use the term treats dry eye, which is you know Amazon, but that's the world we live in. Um, we're gonna comply by the rules no matter what. And we've always kind of gone by that, but we've learned a lot through that ungating process and everything. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a, my experience is it, it's it's once you get a problem with Amazon, it's very hard to fix. Um, <laughs> Shoot first, ask questions second. Well, they are good old Amazon. So I believe you also have a, um, a like a social mission for your business. Do you want to tell us a bit about yeah. that? Yeah. So the whole reason we started the online business was to, to pay for our mission trips. So we go on two to three mission trips a year, depending on if we're, we have a COVID year or not. Obviously, we went on none in 2020. We're going to try to go on one this year but a lot of the countries we usually serve aren't letting us in. Um, we're going to Mexico in May of this year, May of 2022. And what we do on those mission trips is, depending on where we go, the most basic thing is eye exams, sunglasses, and um, glasses if they need it. And so Mexico, we're not as established there. So that's kind of the main goal is we screen all the schools and we, we see all the kids in the community to make sure they don't have any gross problems that we can help. And then anybody that needs help, we send them into a clinic and that clinic has about 40 volunteers that are seeing the rest of the community. And so we end up seeing usually anywhere from one to 2,000 to 3,000 people in the clinic itself. And then my wife and I do the vision screenings around at the schools, and we usually end up seeing about one to 3,000 kids during that week time. So it's, it's a lot of hard lot work, of, but it's a lot of fun. That's a lot of, that's pretty busy. So how many patients and, is that an hour? Uh, <laughs> it's just an assembly line. And so I couldn't even tell you per hour, but it's an amazing assembly line. So there's volunteers at, there's probably like 12 stations. There's volunteers at each station and you just go station to station. And by the time they get to the doctor, which is us, they've already got everything done. And we just can look at the data and tell them exactly what they need and they move on. So, more so it's than very, six, very simple. More than the six you used to deal with in, in the US then? Uh, definitely more than six. Uh, my station in particular, I probably see close to 30 to 40 patients an hour, somewhere around there. Gosh. Make so sure it's, you... it's, it's fast. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, so tell me with your, with iLove, what, what, what are your main sales channels? Main sales channels, Amazon. And that's always what we focus on. Uh, that's kind of where we put our, we put all our eggs in the Amazon basket. When we've tried to move to Shopify, we still do really well on Shopify, but when we focus on Shopify, we actually lost profit and Amazon sales went down. And so when we focus on Amazon, Shopify sales go up too. And so what we do is we focus primarily on Amazon. We push all Facebook, Google ads, um, of course, Amazon PPC, and then another one called Amazon DSP, which is demand side platform. Everything goes to Amazon. We have a blog 
if the blog talks about one of our products, that goes to Amazon. Sounds crazy if you're a Shopify person or a, you like your own website. But what we've found is when we push Amazon, which is about 80%, 75% of our, our sales, Shopify keeps that right up with it. So as Amazon lifts, Shopify lifts as well. Interesting. So it's good for brand recognition, you think? Yeah, exactly. So we push people to a blog to get familiar with us. We used to have a lot of videos and blog posts. Um, and then that goes to Amazon. So do you find, I mean, obviously, because you know you have to pay for you know Google Ads. So you pay for Google Ads to, to drive people to Amazon and then you pay Amazon fees as well. It just mm-hmm. seems, like a, seems like a strange way of doing it. But you find that works for you. It, it does work. And now it's funny because we've been doing this since 2017, this whole like push everything to Amazon. And we had no way of tracking it and no way of doing anything really. And Amazon just came out with Amazon attribution links. And they've kind of had them in the past, but they didn't really work, but they really work now. And the good thing about Amazon attribution links is that you can make an Amazon attribution link, put it in a Google ad, it sends the traffic to Amazon. And then whatever you sell on Amazon, you get 10% of that back. And mm-hmm. so it kind of offsets that fee now, whereas in before Amazon didn't have that. And so that was kind of an extra oh, so bonus. It, so you get 10% of the, what, the commission back. So you only pay 5% or give or take. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I can come across that. Um, so, so I also, um, you've, you've moved on to running your own agency. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I think, it, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always looking to solve our own problems. And I hired a couple agencies in the Amazon PPC space for iLove. And I went through about four agencies and about six different softwares and just nothing was working. And so finally I sat down and I was like, Amazon PPC is the most important part of our business. I need to figure out how to do it and I need to figure out how to do it well. And so I started figuring it out and I was like, wow, this works. We, we figured out a system that works incredibly well. And what we did is people started asking us what we were doing and I took them on. I took two clients on right away and I was doing all the work myself. And I realized that wasn't sustainable and I couldn't scale it. So I brought on one of my best friends from college and he was doing something. He was teaching English in a foreign country, which for your listeners, that doesn't teach much or it doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't pay much. Mm -hmm. And so those two clients pretty much paid his salary. So he came on board full time and we've pretty much grown it since then. We started taking it seriously about two years ago when I started doing podcasts like this. Um, And, you know, it's kind of taken off since then. We now have a team of six of us now. And so it's, me, two of my good friends from college and then, or university. And then we've recently hired three other people as well. So there's six of us total now, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a ride. Um, and that's mission focused as well. So I take the team on mission trips. We're actually the Mexico trip that we're going on in May, the team is going and they're going to serve alongside us. So I try to emphasize to them that this isn't just about the money. This is about the impact that we can make. So we don't take on all brands. We take on brands that have some kind of impact. Like if you're selling a, a, another plastic widget from China that doesn't differentiate from all the other plastic widgets out there, we're not going to take you on because there's no mission behind that brand. You're just trying to make money. We like to get on board with brands that have that mission and help build them up, which then helps build their mission up. And then it helps our mission because we're building them. They're building us. And then we're all building to make the world a better place Do you work for well. any charities or, I mean, do you have any charities, you know, actually specific nonprofits that you work for? Well, ours. So my okay. wife, yeah, my wife and I have a charity called the I Love Cares Foundation. And that's where the profits go towards mostly. Um, but a lot of our brands that we manage have charities or foundations. So we actually donate to those as well. Um, we do a lot with eye care missions, of course. Um, and 
we have a big passion for also digging wells. So we've helped dig a couple wells, but mostly eye care and water are our two biggest ones and kids. So that's kind of, I guess, three biggest ones. So what's it like working with, you know, working with you, because you work with your wife and you also work with your friends. I mean, is that a, yeah. and it's one of these things that, you know, it, it, if it goes well, it's great. Uh, do you think there's a risk there that if things, you know, if the business starts to go badly as businesses do occasionally, then your relationships <laughs> might suffer? Uh, you can take a look at every situation and you can either look at it as a negative or look at it as a learning experience. And my wife and I chose early that everything bad that happens to us, we're going to learn from it and we're not going to blame each other for it. We're not going to play victim. We're going to take ownership for it. We've had some bad things happen in our life and I wish it upon nobody. And we've made it through it and made it on the other side stronger as a result. And so um, 2017, we about went bankrupt. 2019, we about went bankrupt. And so those are two situations that an SBA loan fixed our business. It wasn't that we were unprofitable. SBA it was that loan? Cash, so what's that? Small business? That's a small business administration loans in the US. And so it's uh, good for like, I think businesses under like 5 million. Yeah. And it's very cheap loans and very good terms. So you get long terms, like five to 10 years and very low APR. So like 1% APR. And so very easy to pay back. Whereas in, if you got a loan from Amazon, it's going to be one year, 20%, it's going to be a hard money loan. So yeah. um, SBA loans saved us both times. And we've had other things happen um, that we can get in more detail if you want, but we always chose to come out stronger. I've actually, my best friend and I, we, he, I, we hired him inside I Love to do something for us and it didn't work out and I had to let him go. And we didn't talk for six months. And then we decided that our friendship is more important than a business transaction. And so we became friends again. And then we started the agency together. And if that didn't happen, I don't think we could have started the agency and had the success we've had in the agency as a result. So both my wife in that relationship and my best friend in that relationship have gone through a lot of adversity. And you can choose to play that victim or you can choose to see the why did this happen for us? And how can we learn from it? And so that's kind of what we've taken into everything. And so far, so good. My wife and I have been in business together since 2015. And we've gone through some challenges and we're still here. And then the agency is about three to four years old now. And so far, so good. So we've gone through some challenges in that as well. And so it's, it's a learning experience. But as long as you continue to learn from it and continue to learn from your challenges, everything's going to be fine. Okay, great. Well, at least it sounds like you've thought about it. Um, so tell me, what are your top Amazon um, pay-per-click tips? I mean, if you're top, a company, yeah. you know, if you're a company looking to what, you know, I don't know, what are your three tips for being successful on it? How about that? So the most common problem that I see sellers doing is they're following a million strategies. They hear something on a podcast here or a video here, and they just want to implement it. And when we take over accounts, we usually see accounts that are just a mess. There's no real strategy behind it. And when you ask the seller what their strategy was, they don't really have one. And so the first thing you need to do is have a strategy. And my favorite strategy is the 80-20 rule. 80-20 rule applies to everything in life. And that's 20% of your inputs create 80% of your results. Any area of life that you look at, that's the case. So 20% of what you're doing for your business is producing 80% of your results. 20% of your products are producing 80% of your revenue. So what we do when we come in is we focus on the 20% of products that are producing most of the revenue. We ignore the rest, which makes sellers kind of anxious, but 
the other ones aren't doing anything right now for you and you're spending a lot of time and money on them. So we're going to ignore them until we get that top 20% going. Once we get the top 20% of products going, then we can start putting more money down into these other products. But also with Amazon PPC specifically, 20% of your search terms that you're going after, so all the keywords that you're bidding on, 20% of those are producing 80% of your results. So then what we do is we dial it down. We take down all the keywords and search terms that aren't producing for you or aren't producing that much for you. We turn them off and we focus on that 20% that's producing 80% of the results. So focusing on the 20% of products that are producing 80% of revenue and the 20% of keywords that are producing 80% of the revenue, those two things simplify your Amazon PPC and it also scales incredibly quickly while making you more profit. And so it's something that we do at the beginning of every new client and it works so incredibly well. And that's our secret sauce. That's all we do. And then we continue to make sure we stay on that path. And so focus is what you're saying. That's it. I mean, when you simplify your business, your life and everything to the 80, 20 principle, it makes your life so incredibly simple, scheduled and fun that it, it's just, it's a blast to do it. When you start to feel frazzled and your, your mind's starting to feel flustered, it's usually because you're getting away from those things that got you there in the first place, that 80, 20. And so going back to that, that 20%. So I'll give a quick example for something different from Amazon PPC. For the agency, my job is not to man manage accounts. My job is to get our name out there. So appearing on podcasts, speaking on stage, and those are my 20% of things that produce 80% of the results. So that's why I'm on the show. That's why I've hired a, a team of people to get me on podcasts, to get me on stage. And I establish relationships with thought leaders in the space to get on their stages, to get in front of people. And so that's my main job as an agency owner, as the CEO. I'm not in the accounts managing them day to day. I do look at the accounts and I do question what they're doing and kind of make them think more but I've hired a great team that some of them are probably smarter than me. And that's kind of how you build a great business as well. And then on the, I love side, my brand side, my wife is much smarter than me and I am not afraid to admit that. And she is, I give her the control to run that business so I can focus on the sales and marketing piece. So I can focus on copywriting. So I can focus on, you know, getting out there, and I also do podcasts for that. And I do interviews for that, that business as well. So I can focus on that stuff to help our brand grow. Okay. So do you find that appearing on podcasts is a very cost-effective and way of, of promoting your business? It's ridiculously cost-effective because of how much you pay the, the team to get you on a podcast. It's, it's, a, it's a no brainer in my mind to get on podcasts and, you know, some you'll appear on some podcasts and nothing happens of it. And you'll appear on others and it might establish a business relationship that lasts a lifetime. I've had both. We've gotten some clients from podcasts, but it's also established great business relationships and great referral sources. And, you know, you do something outside this podcast and we'll probably discuss it a little bit more. And maybe I'll have somebody in my network that I can send to you. And maybe you have somebody in your network that you're thinking, yeah, they could use help with Amazon PPC that you're going to send to me. And so it just podcasting in general, whether you're being the host or being on it, just creates a network effect where you just start to get to know more and more people. Okay, great. And so tell me, you've, you've obviously done a number of things. You've been a doctor, you've been an entrepreneur. What, what are you 
do you, I mean, obviously, given that you are now a uh, working e-commerce and not a doctor, I'm guessing that, you know, you prefer, you've moved <laughs> on, but what, do you miss not being a doctor? No. <laughs> no. What do you, why, why do you prefer being an e-commerce entrepreneur to being a doctor? You know, time and freedom. That's all, what, that's what we all want. You know, when, it, when we dial back everything, it's not about the money. It's about the time and the freedom of choice to do what you want to do. And, and being a doctor, you're locked down to a brick and mortar loca location with a schedule. And so you're kind of locked there. And so if you want to go on a vacation for two weeks, your practice is still there, not making money. And so it's very hard to do that. So that really attracted us was in the e-commerce space was that we could do it from anywhere. We just got back from two weeks in Hawaii and it was great because we got to work from our laptop. I actually did open my laptop maybe for three hours the whole time because I've developed a great team. Now, my wife, worked a little bit more because she's kind of more in the day-to-day -day logistics of the business, but we still got to shut down for a little while, spend time with our kids, spend time with our family. And we actually got the agency to come out there. We had our executive planning meeting out there for a week. And so it was just a lot of fun to, that's why we got into this. That's why we got out of doctoring and we still get to practice when we go on our mission trips. So on our mission trips, you know, two to three times, two to three weeks of the year, we get to go practice. We get to go give exams, glasses, sunglasses to people that can't afford care nor obtain care because they just don't have access to it because there's no optometrist or ophthalmologist around there. And so it's a more rewarding practice experience and it's in places like Jamaica and Mexico and the Caribbean. So you can't beat that either. Great food. Nice people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. Uh, one final question. What, what's inspired you recently? Anything, business, sport, politics, yeah. could be anything. You know, it's, it's, there's so much inspiration in this world, if you just look for it. And there's so much negative in this world, if you look for it. So whenever I'm looking for inspiration, I pick up a book, and usually a good book inspires me. Um, but I'm going to go back to our Hawaii trip this, this last two weeks, going to Hawaii just made me realize like, it, it was one of those, if you've never been to Hawaii, it's one of those places that I've been all over the Caribbean. And Hawaii is just one of those worlds that is out of this world. It's mountains behind you, ocean in front of you. And I remember standing on the beach, not even the beach. It was like this, uh, this rocky cliff edge and seeing these 30 to 40 foot swell waves coming at me. And I've, like I said, I've been all over the Caribbean. I've been to the beaches of Cabo being out in the middle of an Island in the middle of the Pacific and seeing these 40 foot waves coming at me is probably the most inspiring thing. And it makes you feel oh, so the small all of nature. It was the all of nature. And we were, we had a blowhole at one of the houses we stayed at and a blowhole is just where the wave comes in, creates so much power. It shoots up 50 to hundred feet and just seeing that power. And then seeing somebody 300 yards out surfing that same wave. Enormous wave. I was just like that is incredible and i will you never wanna, do that <laughs> you give it a go. but that was probably one of the it. most inspirational like just being in that moment and just kind of soaking it in it was uh pretty incredible cool that sounds great i must go and see it travis it's been lovely speaking to you and good luck for the future trevor thanks for having me on okay bye-bye